And welcome to Gleeman and the Geek, the Diet Coke is for winners. Aaron Gleeman, what, yeah. are, you, what are you drinking? Croy, you're not drinking Diet Coke <laughs> You're either. drinking limoncello. Yeah, but you're drinking water. So. I know, because I don't have any Diet Coke. <laughs> so you said Diet Coke is for winners because you wanted to say you were a winner, but you're not drinking Diet Coke? That's about right. Yeah, yeah. we played uh, Doe, Doe Young Park uh, from MLB.com, former and future guest. Um made famous for his Jeopardy appearances. Sure. So now he's on the trivia circuit. Right. And he hosted uh, a trivia for charity right. last night. at the Trivia La- for Cheaters. Yeah, it was called Trivia for Cheaters, but I just mean it was for a charity. Co- at uh, <laughs> right. La Dona Servers. La, La-, La Dona Cerveceria. I can't say that. So what he said. <laughs> uh, and it was great. And we were on opposite teams. And uh, John John's team, the way it worked was like you could – you could buy answers because the money went to charity. Yeah. And so John's team was like near the top, but not at the top. And yes. so in the final round, they paid a significant amount of money we to threw in double, double their score. Yeah, we each threw 70, 75 bucks in the double yeah. our uh, score in that last round. And so they tied for first place. That's right. But as uh, my team, which finished like sixth or something, I don't know what it was. <laughs> They're like the Yankees and the Astros put together. They're cheating and banging their way into it. But, yeah, John was all excited. Phil was all excited. And here's the worst part, really. I mean, you have to go back to that Desert Island question we had the other day. Now Phil is Phil is my Desert Island beat writer for sure. Great. I hope the two of you do that and leave now, please. But here's this the worst. Why, this is why you go with the savvy veterans instead of the up-and-coming uh, hotshots. That's, That's what, what my group was, the up-and-coming hotshots. Oh, boy. I think we had the oldest person. Really? I think. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. We had the dumbest person, me. <laughs> uh, here's the worst part of it all. Not only did does John's team get to talk S, and that includes Phil. For an entire year. But immediately <laughs> after it ended, multiple people were like, my girlfriend Becky was on their team. <laughs> and multiple people were like, she was the MVP. She answered the most questions. <laughs> and Becky, who is the worst winner I've ever met in my entire life. And is so ultra competitive to the point I will not play like board games with her anymore or anything really trivial pursuit anything, and uh, she's like I, I was the MVP I did I answered by far the most questions and I was like yeah okay fine great I, I don't care we're gonna drink some beers or what no we're just gonna talk about it so that's that's what happened last night Nina and Becky were the MVPs Becky was uh, Becky was very very good yeah, glad good to have her on my team. Yeah, well, she doesn't listen, so she won't hear that. But <laughs> thankfully, but yeah, my team. Uh, I don't know. I did think she, I, did she remind you yet last night a couple times that they had won? Oh my god! <laughs> she woke up this morning. And she was like, she said, you know, she said, loser, first, loser goes plays with the cats at three a.m. Yeah, well, that, buddy, <laughs> that is what how it works. Susan. No, the first word she said to me, I think she said seventh place, huh? Or something like that. <laughs> she woke up. Anyway. Uh, all right. I'm gonna be doing that with Chrissy all day. Before yeah, well, we Chrissy was on my team. Weekend too, I know. I don't know. It will, not a not a great. Not I settled Betsy with a lot of uh, a lot of tough tough people. Betsy <laughs> didn't really step up either. I'm gonna. I, I think I answered the most right on my team, and I'm not bragging about that. That's it wasn't impressive. Anyway, uh, Minnesota Twins. Mm-hmm. Speaking of not impressive. Um, <laughs> Sorry to any Twins <laughs> officials listening to this. I apologize. We can talk about it later if you want. Um, 
losers of uh, three straight series to California-based teams. Yeah. Two of which yeah. happened in California, one of which happened in uh, Minneapolis. Yeah. Um, now they're entering. And of the, six, of the six losses over those three series, yeah. they were leading in five of them in late innings. Is that innings. true? Yeah. I believe I, th- I think that's true. Yeah. So they went three and six. They could have. I mean, look, you can always say they could have gone whatever. But I mean, realistically, you could have easily won five or six yeah. instead of three. Right. Um, the they now. I mean, the the beauty of it is the AL. We talk about this every week. It seems like the AL Central still stinks. And in fact, the, so the over under coming into the season for the Twins, like the odds, Vegas odds, which we always do a show about, mm-hmm. was eighty three and a half wins for the Twins. Through 50 games, which was Sunday was the 50th, or not Sunday, Wednesday was the 50th game. Uh, the Twins are on pace for, drum roll, drum roll please, 84 wins. <laughs> okay, so right. they beat it by a half. And yet the feeling is certainly not right. that they're meeting expectations, yeah. which I guess is how Well, that's because huge swaths of it are not meeting expectations. Right. There's one area that's really meeting expectations right. and carrying the other two. But right. the other part is, so they're on pace for 84 wins after being projected for 83 and a half wins, basically. Uh but the AL Central is so bad that I looked as of this morning, Fangraph's uh, playoff odds ha- project them to have a 77% chance to win the American League Central, which is the second highest of any team in baseball to win their division. Other than the Rays? No. Really? Because the Rays are only six up on uh, Baltimore. Oh, I did not know that close. Other okay. than the Braves in the oh, National okay. League East, okay. who are, have a great record and are kind of running away with it a little bit. But it's it's amazing to be like... <laughs> Uh, they were expected to win 83 and a half. They're on pace for 84, and they're the second most favored team to win their division out of all 30 teams. It's really kind of remarkable. Now, I would take the under on 77%, right. certainly. Um, but the other interesting part of that is part of the reason that Fangraphs especially views them as 77% is that Fangraphs does not believe in the Tigers. Right. And I guess neither do we, for the most part. I think that's right. Uh, and so the Tigers now are alone in second place. They're only two games back of the Twins, and I believe they're two games up on Cleveland for third. But two and a half. Two and a half up on Cleveland <laughs> yeah. for third. Okay, yeah, because Cleveland didn't play last night. You're right. right. Um, and he, But the funny part of that is, like, okay, the Twins' lead is only two, and that can evaporate in a hurry because – they're about to enter a very tough stretch where they have Toronto. Now, Toronto's reeling a little bit, but right. Toronto is a good team in my mind. Toronto, here are the next uh, like six series. Toronto, Houston, Houston Cleveland, Cleveland Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay, Toronto again, and then Milwaukee. To me, those are all and then you know who's right after that? playoff teams, the Tigers. Two series yes. against the Tigers. Yeah. And so, yes, it's not a, I'm not going to paint it as a positive thing that the Twins are only up two games regardless of who the team right. is that they're up two games on. But I will say that if you don't believe in the Tigers at this point, and I don't believe in the Tigers at this point, and maybe I'll just be wrong all season about right. them. Who knows? Uh, but it's almost a good thing because the teams that I think are more capable of beating the Twins are Cleveland, first and foremost, and they're, what are they, four and a half, five and a half back? Yeah, four, four and, and a half, half back. Yep. And the White Sox, who put together a little run of competency here and then – have fallen off again and are now, I don't know, eight back or something right. like that. And so, and the Royals are cooked already. Right. But if you don't, be, if you believe in the Tigers, it's a little, it's gotten to be a race now. I think the if last. If you don't believe in the Tigers, it's like, well, who cares if the Tigers are in second? That's good. The last time I recently looked, this was earlier this week or late last week, and the Tigers were something like 15th overall in hitting. Yeah. 
In the, I'm talking in the, inside the American League. Out of 15. Right, yeah, 15 out of 15. You know what we call that, John? Dead last. <laughs> yeah. And they were 10th overall in pitching. Yeah. And I thought, you're talking about like runs this scored, is, yeah, I'm sorry, runs. Yeah, I'm talking. This is about yeah. runs per game or runs given up per game. Yeah. I mean, and they I have thought, a negative like 40 run difference. <laughs> and are close to 500. And if you, yeah, if you look up and down the roster, they, I mean, they have some guys having good seasons and everything. But it's, uh, I don't know. It, it does not strike me as a team capable of winning 85, 90 games. But. I mean, I've been wrong about him now for two months. Right. Yeah. There's nothing to say I won't be wrong about him for four more months. But yeah, that's where the that's kind of the state of the AL Central. It remains. I mean, it's the same this year. Every time we do an episode, and it's pretty much the same every year. Which is, it's very hard to lose this division or to drop out of this division unless you play at a Royals esque level of just you know incompetency. I'm trying to remember what their over under was. The- the Tigers over under was like sixty something. I was gonna say high sixties is what yeah. I want to say. You want to say sixty nine and a half or even seventy one and a half? Something I don't think like it was that. seventy. I think it was sixty something. But I, yeah, I still might choose the under. Like it's very possible they might choose. They might get well, seventy wins. So like I was saying, if you look at at Fangraphs, which and I'm not saying Fangraphs is infallible, but I do view them as the the best option to look at this sort of thing, like yeah. season long projections and all that big picture stuff. If you look at them, like the Twins are at seventy seven percent. Cleveland's at second, most likely at like 15% or something. The Tigers are at like 6%, barely above the White Sox because of <laughs> right. what you just said, which is Fangraphs is not basing their rest of the season projection entirely on the first 50 games. They're right. basing it on their what they thought of these guys coming into right. the season, yeah, like their, tra- their multi-year track records. And they're saying what you're saying, which is, well, regardless – by the way, they have a losing record, so right. let's not act yeah, like right. they're, well, that's what, they're that's good. What, that's what I was kind of – I mean – they're on pace for 76 right. wins they're, or something. They're a right bad now. team, right, right. in my mind. They're a bad team that's been slightly less bad than expected. And because the Twins and the Guardians have not run away with this thing, right. it seems like they're in it. But that's the same logic that makes the Twins seem like they're better than they are because you can just keep saying, well, they're in first place. They're Which in first fan place. base do you think right now is happier, the Twins or the Tigers? Tigers. Of course, Absolutely. it's got to be the Tigers, Tigers, right? They're two games back, and they're, they're probably... I mean, we've been through they've this. Got their, they've got the happiest little Gleaming in the Geek uh, Tiger podcast <laughs> yeah. ever. Can you imagine a happy <laughs> Gleaming in the Geek? Um, I mean, we've been through this before with uh, the Twins in, like, 2017. Yeah. Where right. you're not yeah. expected to be any kind of right. decent, and yes. you play, like, at a 500-ish level for a while, yeah. and it's like, wow, this is great. Right. And 2017, they ended up making the, the playoffs. <laughs> so you make a trade, and then you trade the guy away at the trade deadline. Yeah. Well, that's where it gets confusing, because <laughs> right. it's like, right. do we, we trust doing? our right. eyes, or yeah. do we trust the projections and stuff? Uh, we have a lot to talk about uh, on this show. One, probably the biggest thing, which I guess we can start with, is Correa's injury situation, uh, and the kind of roster domino effects that that will have potentially today, but also with Royce Lewis eligible to rejoin the Twins if they would like Monday right. uh, against in Houston Monday, uh, which I think Dan pointed out last night would be the one year to the day it since is. he got hurt yeah, or be hurt. Yeah. Um, so that's kind it of – It was the day that I was uh, bartending – yeah, at, it was it was the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. No, I, was I was wondering what caused Great it. Deck Deck, yeah, after with me my my torn retinal eyeball that I could. Yeah, die. that's right. <laughs> my eyeball pumped full of air. <laughs> John, you love to bartend after surgeries. You bartended oh. immediately after having your knee surgery. <laughs> so right it's when the, they contacted me. 24 hours before I went into the knee surgery and said, hey, can you bartend that the day after yeah. the, your knee surgery? And that I'm was like, this year. I yeah. said, you, yeah. And I'm like, your timing is impeccable. Because yeah. you did this to me last year, too. Yeah, John I had, had eye surgery <laughs> how many days before? 
uh, Friday to Sunday. Yeah, two days so before. Two days before yeah. And then had knee surgery literally one day before. <laughs> yeah, and bar- celebrity bartended both times. Yeah, I've got to stay away from celebrity bartending because it means I'm going to get more surgery. Or <laughs> stay away from surgery Surgeries. and you won't be asked to celebrity bartend well, that, anymore. Yeah, that's true. That's why I stay away from surgery. <laughs> I would. I don't <laughs> want a celebrity bartender. So. Can you imagine we had a celebrity bartender? <laughs> right. All right. Here, everyone, we're making one drink. So we're not what, making anything specific. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the great deck, folks, and tell them Aaron Gleeman wants to celebrity bartend, and then you'll finally get the ACL fixed. <laughs> I wish them luck trying to get me to do it. I really wish them luck. Um, okay. But so Korea, the, we're in a tricky little uh, timing-wise here because it's Friday morning. Or, yeah, Friday, Friday morning, morning. As we, It's 9.30 a.m. Friday. We're not going to know anything about Korea officially until 4 o'clock or something like that. And so we're in a little bit of a tricky spot here where we can speculate. You know, he he missed uh, two games so far with what was initially described as a bruised heel and then has been diagnosed as uh, a strained muscle in his left – in the arch of his left foot and plantar fasciitis. Uh, So a couple things about that. One is – it's the different foot than his ankle that was yes, so uh, right. headline grabbing throughout the offseason. That was his right foot. This is his left foot, and you know they're also not really related. But but being just, on just opposite so clear, sides right, of the yeah, body right, are, right. helps p- helps with the not related, right? Thing. Particularly relevant here. Um, plantar fasciitis. <laughs> as a longtime Wolves fan, Timberwolves fan, <laughs> I was about to say this. I I don't know when they when Rocco revealed those two words, yeah. said those two words. I don't think. He understood how triggered those two words well, are to Minnesota be a, sports fans. A forty-plus-year-old Wolves fan from yeah. the '90s yeah. to or, know or, or aughts. It's aughts, right? It was the Garnett era. No Wolves, false. Before Garnett, it was Michael Williams who missed four seasons, basically with plantar fasciitis. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, of well, they're like Wally they... Zerbiak also had plantar <clears throat> fasciitis. But they had like three. Three point guards in a row that had plantar fasciitis. From if people look up Michael Williams and plantar fasciitis, Michael Williams they acquired from the Indiana Pacers for Pooh Richardson. Yeah, I believe it was also involving Sam Mitchell in that trade. But he was like a you know small, quick, uh, defensively and and passing point guard right. who'd had a really solid career up to that point. And the Wolves acquired him, and he had like one good half season. I might be misremembering this timeline a little bit because I was like 10 sure, years right, old right, right. and it was 30 years ago. But he then hurt his foot, his heel, and essentially in my memory of it, maybe I'm wrong, like three seasons in a row – he like worked his way back to try to get right. in the mix yep. and then had plantar fasciitis flare up again. And basically plantar fasciitis is, you know, your heel, there's like inflammation and there's like it, it almost like separates from the heel. Like it causes very sharp pain. Okay. Um, and yeah, Wally Zerbiak also had it. I mean, it's a, it's a bad injury, but here's what I will say about uh, Korea. And I know people will be in a panic just hearing plantar fasciitis. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but – there are players who just don't even go on the injured list for plantar fasciitis. There can be mild cases of it where it's essentially describing, uh, you know, a heel bruise or a heel right. inflammation or whatever. Uh, if you do go on the injured list, if you're a baseball player and you go on the injured list with plantar fasciitis, it tends to not be a minimum 10 day stay. Right. It tends to be 25, 30, 50, 60 days. Uh, Harrison Bader for the, uh, center fielder for the Yankees had it and he missed like half of last season. But I, I do think those numbers can potentially be a little misleading because 
that is only the group that does go on the injured list. You can avoid the injured list. There are right. a lot of players yes. who have had been diagnosed with plantar fasciitis and either just kept playing through it or sat out five days and been fine. But I do suspect if I have to predict at 9.33 a.m. ahead of a move that would be made you know, six hours from now or whatever, I'm kind of assuming Correa is going to go on the injured list. If not today, then soon-ish. And the, the other piece of that is Royce Lewis, who's been playing both shortstop and third base with the Saints on his rehab assignment, his rehab assignment is about to end, and more importantly, the 60-day injured list uh, time period is about to expire, right. which means he can then officially be activated, at right. which point the Twins can either call him up right. or keep him at AAA. Yeah, the Twins don't have to activate him Monday, right. but they can't activate him before Monday. Right, the, right. yeah. It's 60 days after opening right, day, basically. Right. And then they have to activate him or not activate him by, like, Wednesday or something right. like that. Yeah, because they've only got 20 days on the – you can only have up to 20 days in the minors for the rehab assignment. But they could just option him right. to the minors, right. which they did with Kirilov briefly. So it's funny, though, that w- this – first of all, one of the things we probably repeat the most uh, on this on this show is – the, the lack of need to plan in advance for these sort of things. And <laughs> right, so just, think about with right. Royce Lewis, one week ago, or you know five days ago even, right. we were saying he's prepping to play third base. Right. Will they activate him? Will Farmer go back to a utility role? And obviously going back even a couple weeks, okay. it was Miranda being sent down, right. cleared the path for Lewis to return at third, and he's been playing third at AAA, and he's been looking good at third, and he's hitting home runs, he's stealing bases. Well, now he might just play shortstop. Right. Uh, which That's he's right. also been playing about half the time at, at AAA and obviously has a lot more experience at shortstop. So, I mean, there's a few ways this could go. Again, we're we're predicting. Like, you know, I've right. talked to a few people about this, but I don't – I mean, this is a real tricky situation. Uh, it's possible Correa just tries to play through it. It's possible Correa it, – it's, it's good that they give him three days until Monday right. since they can't call up Royce anyway. That's true. So, yeah. And they just say, well, listen, give it three more days and then we'll see what happens. We'll back get it another three days. Sure. Cause, and like right. I said, if they put him on the IL, he's not going to miss 10 days. He's going to miss a month basically yeah. in my opinion. Uh, so the backdating is – but yeah, you're right. that Royce Lewis can't replace him tonight anyway. So, right. uh, so he could just play through it. You know, I don't think that's great either, but he could play through it. It's possible, like I said, it, it's a relatively minor case and that the three days of rest he's had or a few more days of rest can can yep. get it mostly under control. It's also possible, like you said, he could take this weekend, yep. try to kind of rest, maybe be available as a pinch hitter or maybe not, and then they'll reevaluate it Monday when there's a move that could actually be made right. or – what I kind of suspect will happen, and we'll know if I'm right or wrong in a little bit, is that they're just going to place him on the injured list today. They're going to call somebody up to just get a warm body. Uh, I give you, an, I'll give you another, a third option. Okay, there. Kepler. Kepler's still sitting on the IL. I don't think Kepler's you, you don't coming think he's back close. today. I mean, I'm close. He's probably close. He can't be not close because it wasn't a serious injury. Well, that's what I was going to say. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I can see them doing, you know, Kepler today. So for the weekend, they've got Kepler on the roster, I'd and then three days, and then on Monday when Royce Lewis is ready. Well, then they send down Walner and call up Royce call, Lewis. Call up Royce Lewis. Yeah, like you could do something like that. I think um, kind of a dosy do. Yeah, not to be confused with a do young park, <laughs> a dosy do. Um, yeah, I mean, let me. I, I had a couple other notes on this. Okay, go ahead. Uh, okay, so Royce, I should have mentioned that uh, Royce Lewis also has to be added back to the forty man roster. 
That's also going to require a 40-man yeah, roster they can move. just move Gordon to the 60 then. Oh, you think he's going to He's out two months? He's a broken tibia. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, they can make a 40-man spot, I think. Um, That's a good point. But, yeah, when you're on the 60-day, we talk about this, but people like to hear it clarified. Uh, when you're on the 60-day injured list, you don't take up a 40-man roster spot. Right. And so the idea for that is if it's a significant enough injury that you're not going to be back anytime soon, they can kind of clear you off the books. But then when right. you do get healthy, right. you have to make room for that person by right. clearing a 40-man roster spot. Uh, they, I mean, they could do a couple things here, right? With If, if Correa gets shut down for whatever length of time and Lewis Monday or you know, a little later, who knows, does get called back up. There's a few ways you can play that. I mean, you can just say to Lewis, you're a starting shortstop now, right. which is how he made his debut last year, subbing for Correa yep. when he got his uh, thumb or his finger hit by a pitch in like late April last year, yeah. I guess it was. Or you could stick with the longer term view of it where you've been trying to prep Royce Lewis <laughs> for third base, base yep. and say, we actually think – you know, Correa right. will be back at some point, and he's going to be the shortstop. Yep. So we would actually like Royce to get as many reps immediately as possible at, at third, third base, yeah. at which point you could play him at third and just play Kyle and Farmer, Farmer at short. At yeah. short. Now, I, it's, now, I would say the Royce Lewis we saw last year between surgeries, basically, is a better shortstop than Kyle Farmer. But I don't know enough about Royce, what Royce, nobody knows enough really about right, what, right. what Royce Lewis looks like after the second surgery, making his way back, defensively, speed, athleticism, to say that. And Kyle Farmer was the Reds' starting shortstop for right, 90% yeah. of the past two right, seasons. Yeah. And they acquired him from the Reds as kind of the placeholder shortstop yeah. until they figured out what the Correa situation was. So it, you could go either way there. I mean, you could flip-flop him if you want and kind of give Royce reps like you've you been doing at AAA, but I, yeah. I don't think they would do that. Uh, so it feels to me like the – it feels to me, and I, I don't know why I'm basing this on, it feels to me like they would just put Royce Lewis at shortstop. Yeah, that's probably what I would do, I guess. I mean, it also depends. If you truly think Correa – I mean, A, if Correa doesn't go on the injured list, this is a moot point right. for the most part. Right. Because then I think if Correa is on the active roster come Monday, then I think you could slash should – Activate Royce Lewis and play him at third base right. and move Farmer to a utility, utility role, which then it would make more sense to me like when – if you give Correa a day or two off yeah. in a week to have Farmer fill in and keep Royce Lewis at third because then Farmer is more of the backup utility guy. But yeah, if Correa is out of the picture for weeks because he's on the injured list right. or a month or who knows what the actual diagnosis ends up being – then, yeah, it's a longer-term thing. It's tricky because you do want Lewis to continue to get reps at third because that is where he's going to wind up event, wind up eventually. Although, I mean, if Correa really starts to have foot problems, right. uh, he's going to end up at third base at some point, which is eventually – you know, that's an eventuality anyway, but it was three or four years from now instead right. of three or four months from now. But it's uh, – it's, now, it's an example, though, once again, of you don't want these injuries to star players – but as we were talking about with Kepler and Polanco and everyone, and Buxton and, and Correa now, the backups for the most part, whether it's Ed Julian, who we're going to talk about it here in a minute, or Larnick, and then that became Walner, yeah. um, or now Royce Lewis, most teams, if they lose their star shortstop, are not just going, well, hey, we'll just call up uh, our former number one pick who's our best prospect, <laughs> and he'll yeah. just step right in at shortstop. Yeah. Like the timing of it is is kind of incredible here that – you don't want Correa to get no. hurt, but he's getting hurt 
like 72 hours before the point right. at which you can bring Royce Lewis back right. and potentially just plug him in uh, at shortstop. So it's a bad situation, but the Twins are kind of well prepared for it. The other guy that we haven't even really mentioned here as we start to talk about infield moves and stuff. I mean, we've already seen Polanco go on the I.L. Correa might be joining him on the I.L. It's not a great situation to have your double play duo. Right. Both of whom are former <laughs> right. All-Stars. Right. Uh, two of the four guys you were really counting yeah. on in the middle of the order. I mean, I would say certainly two of your five best all-around players, right. I, I would say, uh, is Jose Miranda. Right. Which, uh, you know, if Correa were to go on the IL today, it's conceivable that they could call up Miranda to play third and just play Farmer at short until they decide Lewis is ready, whether that's Monday or a later date, except I... Jose Miranda has been terrible yes. at AAA. He's played a dozen games. He's hitting 167, and the really worrisome part to me is zero extra base hits. Right. Uh, just not driving the ball at all. And you know, I talked to a couple people who have watched him in St. Paul or on the road to Fort St. Paul, I should say, and they do say like you know he's had a, a few well hit balls into the outfield that got that got tracked down for outs and you know i'm willing to believe he's a little better than 167 slugging percentage right (laughs) but this is not what they hope to see for a guy who's in theory too good for triple a but i will say we saw the same thing about from bailey ober initially which bailey ober was too good for triple a when they sent him there coming out of spring training and he had back-to-back poor starts Um, and then just went on a run. So twelve games back to back. Get it out of your system, and then yeah, yeah you're, right. you know you're probably frustrated Flush it a little bit. Maybe <laughs> you're at, you're being asked to make some mechanical adjustments that put you out of whack a little bit. I'm certain that's the case with with Miranda to some extent. But uh, before we can talk a little bit more about Correa, but let's talk about our first uh, couple of sponsors here. Yeah. So the uh, Soda Stick. I think as of today. On the site, you will find the new Buck Yeah trucking shirt okay. that they've got out there. That's something that they've been kind of hinting now for a couple of weeks. We actually talked about it a little bit two weeks ago, saying they were working on it. And um, it, I'll tell you, the design is such that when Chrissy took a look at it, she's like, oh, those are going. Yeah. Like she, <laughs> Chrissy took a look and said, those are absolutely going. And you better get out there and get some because they do go. They, they go in a hurry. Most they only have so out. many, right? Uh they, in fact, they had the Lando Rakes shirt previously, and those <laughs> yes. sold out, but I guess they're getting restocked. And those, uh, Soda Stick, like Minnesota, you can go to sodastickco.com or just Google Soda Stick. And they have stuff that isn't just baseball, too. They have all Minnesota sure. sports. Right. Great shirt designs, quality material. Yep. I've used them to design stuff uh, for us uh, yeah. personally, yes. like for something. And they, they put out a great product. And you can use the promo code Gleeman, and you will get 15%. Uh, off whatever your order, sodastickco.com. We've got uh, Father's Day coming up, and uh, I always recommend uh, checking out StoryWorth. Uh, I, I think it is a brilliant, brilliant service, just a brilliant company. And I like what it does uh, because what it does is kind of make you reconnect with some people that you probably should get to know better in your life. Sometimes that there's a parent or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or something like that, and they just make it so easy a for you to podcast partner. Or a podcast partner. Yeah, here's I was basically. Thinking, actually, that did occur to me. It's like maybe I would side you up for a story you with that some point. And, present? and you would, you would, uh, you would have to write a, a little email every uh, uh-huh. every week answering one of my questions. Yeah, well, well that's how it works. Life. Basically, is you sign somebody up for Storyworth. And they get emailed kind of prompts, yeah. like questions. Yeah, what was your first questions. job or yeah. what was your you know, your best friend growing up? What was your favorite car you've ever something had like or that. something and like it, that? Yeah. Real simple stuff. Up, right. But it's, it's intended to get uh, a grandparent or a father or whoever it is 
just kind of get him chatting right. about their life and get him telling stories, some of which you've no doubt heard, but also, you know, some of you haven't. poking at areas <laughs> right. that maybe they haven't to- talked about. Yeah, so when they answer it, you get that answer in an email and you can send it to, you know, your brothers, your sisters, right. or something else you want. But yeah. then the real cool thing right. is at the end of the year, they will put it together as sort of a biography right. in a way. And you can get a physical copy of it right. that's really high quality right. that you can get sent to you. And then that in itself becomes a gift that you can give not only to them, right. but to other family members. Exactly. So it's like a gift that spawns into further gifts. Uh, and here's the other thing that we always note with our listeners. If you are like me and you're really <laughs> bad at remembering to get presents and you're like, oh, no, I need a last second present, yep. this isn't a physical present initially. It gets emailed. Yes. So the moment you sign up for it at StoryWorth, yes. it can be a present. Like so, You don't need a lead time on it. So uh, uh, give all the fathers in your life a meaningful gift. You can both cherish for years to come. StoryWorth, right now, for a limited time, you can save 10 bucks. And your first purchase, when you go to storyworth.com slash Gleeman, that's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H, storyworth.com slash Gleeman to save 10 bucks on your first purchase, storyworth.com slash Gleeman. Okay. Uh, we will obviously talk a lot more about Korea either way. Right. Uh, Monday. Monday, yep. Which uh, you can get if you're a Patreon subscriber. That's sort of the point of the Patreon is to not have to wait yeah. one week between episodes. Yeah. So we'll know officially what the situation with Korea is probably tonight, but yeah. certainly by Sunday. Yeah, and probably know what's going on with Royce Lewis, too, right. like where we're he's going to end up. Yeah, right? That's true, too. We'll have a better I, sense. I promise it. you I will work to find out <laughs> as of Monday morning whether Royce Lewis is joining them on their trip to Houston. Right. So yes. we'll talk about that. So I would encourage you guys to sign up for the Patreon. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N patreon.com slash Gleeman. So we'll put out a, a new episode probably by 10 a.m. Monday morning. Something like that. We'll discuss whatever happens with Correa and whatever is about to happen with Royce Lewis. Plus, we'll, we'll pro- recap the Blue Jays. We're probably going to sleep in a little bit. Maybe, maybe say by noon on Monday. Okay. Okay. You're so lazy, John. <laughs> lazy son of a... Uh, but, you know, obviously, I don't even know that this needs to be said about Correa because it's pretty plainly obvious. But it's hard to imagine year one of a six-year, $200 million contract getting off to a worse start than this. Like, he has struggled to the point that even these little kind of, uh, you know, increases in production, these little week-long runs where he's hitting for a little power or he finally raised his batting average, you know, above 200 solidly, those have been – there's been about three of those, and all three have been met almost immediately by another slump. Uh, His overall numbers – the good news is he's played 44 of the first 50 games. Right. <laughs> he essentially missed f- five games. But I'm not totally sure that's the good news. Well, right. Like, that might be part of what is going on here. It's, yeah. I mean, you know, certainly the there last was the, year they definitely tried to keep him fresh a right. lot more than they are doing this year. And I think, I, 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 pr- I presume that is just him leaning into, we've got some hurt guys. Farmer, I mean, especially. Farmer in particular. Because he had the sore lower back, Correa, BP, right. and missed either four games or five games in like mid-April. And then... Right when he would have come back, back and, and maybe been eased back in with some days off and stuff, Farmer on April 12th, I want to yes. say, got hit in the face yeah. by the pitch and then missed a month. Right. And so that took away their most reliable shortstop option. Yes. And whether Correa was playing a hun- feeling 100% or 90% or whatever, it was either him and then playing through it or Nick Gordon and Willie Castro and playing by the shorts. time that Farmer came back and he... I relatively raced back from that, I would say. Yeah, right? he made it back in four weeks. <laughs> right. Uh, 
just when that was happening, by well, by then Miranda was bottoming right. out, and so now Farmer's replacing Miranda as opposed to Miranda still out, you know, hitting at third base and Farmer being able to be the utility guy again. Right. So other so, than missing, and then, then again, then Nick Gordon ends up getting hurt, so you lose another utility right. so guy. So it's Willie Castro. Willie Castro. We've had a lot of Willie Castro in the lineup lately. Yeah, I did not expect Willie Castro to be an everyday fixture on this team uh, at this I, point. No. Uh, he's played better of late. Uh, he's a good outfielder. Yeah, he's. I would say. <laughs> I, I mean, they, they I don't know if them. I want to say that, but he's he's certainly less bad at almost every position right. than I expected because his reputation was one of those that you hear a decent amount, which is he can play everywhere, but you don't really want to play him anywhere. <laughs> and I would say he takes some weird routes, but in left he makes some real nice catches up against the wall. I think in center we haven't really seen him tested like in yeah, the no, gaps not center, much. No, in left but he's, right, yeah. he's competent. Yeah, and then he at, makes up for his, uh, some of those routes with speed. Though. Right, he's, he's just he's right. fast and he's yeah. a good athlete. He has a good arm, all right. that. I think he's a little bit scattershot in terms of route and sure. reaction times and all yeah, that. But I've but, noticed a couple different times this week. You know, when they were rolling out some kind of bizarre lineups, I'd like to talk about Wednesday's lineup at some point. Uh, you know, I took a look at where everybody was playing going, that is not the defensive alignment I expected. Right. And the, the only reason that defensive alignment makes sense is uh, where you, you trust Willie Castro in left field. You know, like, why was Willie Castro not playing third base, Solano at first, Kirloff in, right. in, in left? You know, that seems like it would have been the yep. natural way to do it. And there were a couple different times where I was like, I'm just surprised they're playing things in this direction. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. But with Correa, I mean, he's played essentially every day since the mid-April back problems until Saturday when he missed his first game. Right. Yes. It was April 12th because right. I tweeted this out. He had started literally every game. I think it was 36 or 37 games in a yes. row. Well, that's great, except – All at shortstop. All at shortstop. Yeah, right. No DH right. time because Buxton's at DH, all that, which is great, except, as you point out, well, maybe that's maybe leading that's why into he's got, the why he's got a production. Sore foot, right? Or I mean, not leading into, but maybe you know, it's it's not helping. You're not, right. uh, and I don't even mean sore foot, but the back, the foot, yes. whatever it is, uh, hitting two thirteen. He's hitting two thirteen. <laughs> right. He has a ninety three OPS plus, which that means I think his OPS, his regular OPS is like in the high six hundreds, sure. but a ninety three OPS plus that's on a scale of one hundred being average. Right. So it compares the guy's OPS. Relative to the league's OPS. Yeah, not to the positional OPS. Right. The overall right. league. So, right. you know. Uh, so a shortstop with a 93 OPS is about regular what a shortstop yeah, would have, isn't it? Shortstop's hit now. Well, but, shortstop, yes. yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah. But it's different than, you know, right. left field right. or something. Like right. But 93 OPS plus means that he's about 7% worse than the league average hitter, just the overall league right. average yeah. hitter. Now, that's obviously not what you signed up with Correa. Now, he's been better, certainly, over the last yeah. three or four weeks than he's he was. He's just batting average 50 points over the last yeah, couple weeks. It, yeah, 30-something <laughs> points for sure. Yeah, right. uh, and he's shown a little bit of power. But, I mean, look, you're you're a third of the way through the first season, right. uh, which I guess means you're, what, 1-18th of the way through the contract? Right. That's yeah, a right. better way to look at it probably. shows how early it is. Um but, you know, you've failed to produce through 50 games. You failed to produce in some ways that are, I would say, worrisome. And I know that there's You're talking some – specifically about the just swinging through the Yeah, swinging through fastballs. And early on he I mean, was having to go to the opposite field because it didn't seem like he could turn on pitches. And then when that came around, he was just swinging and missing a lot. Yeah. Um, I think defensively, I think he's looked good. Fantastic. I think he's looked great. So that's yeah. part of the – Potential worry that's not in the picture. Right. Um, I don't think he's looked like noticeably slow or anything compared to last year. Certainly, I mean, he's not a fast player at this no. stage of his career. Um, but to to have fifty games of below average production, uh, 
and you know by his standards way below average production sure. obviously uh and then what potentially could be a significant foot injury is uh you know there are worse ways to right. start a six year contract but not many right. uh that's that's discouraging and i think yes it's early but that can also be a threat. You know what I mean? We're only one eighteenth well, yeah, through this contract. Fair. Or it could be we're only one eighteenth through this contract. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm certainly by no means going to come anywhere close to writing off Carlos Correa as a great player. I think if healthy, he is a great player. But there's uh, one more, you know, not great factor now in the if healthy part of that. We, we and, but again. We might show up to the ballpark uh, five hours from now, and he's fine, and he's playing, playing, and he plays every day for the next three months. Who knows? We just don't know. Uh, We talked a little bit about, uh, I think, Wednesday. I don't remember if this was on the air or off the air, Uh about how difficult it is right now to talk about the team because the answer is always just like, this guy just has to hit or this guy just has to pitch like they're supposed to pitch. And this is one of the – his slow start – is maybe the second biggest factor, I would say, right now in the Twins' offense underperforming. I would say first is Miranda's uh, dismal start. Uh, you know, I, just because I think De- Miranda was, you know, a supposed to be one of the top four hitters on this, and now he's t- t- hitting 150 in AAA. Like that, that's a sure. That's a pretty. It's much, a steeper drop. It's a steeper drop. But also, right. the expectations for Miranda were not as high as the expectations for Correa, obviously. So. Yeah, right, right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's that's debatable. I will say that Miranda has been replaced by Farmer, who's been yeah. pretty decent. Well, I mean, they've had some good They've had some good stories, too. Farmer's probably no, but I just the mean, best of the stories. If you view Miranda right. as third base. Right. Third base has become less of a problem yeah. for them since Miranda was demoted. But yeah, I mean, if you're just saying who flopped the biggest in the first 50 games, Jose Miranda, undoubtedly. Right. No one flopped bigger than Jose yeah. Miranda. I mean, he was supposed to be good and he was awful. And when you're kind of going through the entire lineup and going, why is this lineup producing nowhere near what we thought they were going to be producing? Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't start and stop with Jose Miranda. It doesn't start and stop with Carlos Correa. There's lots of other ones, but you can kind of rank them a little bit as you go through. Well, the lineup, it's funny right? you say that, John, because uh, there's an article on this <laughs> tremendous website from yesterday oh, morning. There we go. Called "Why Has the Twin Struggling Lineup Fallen So Short of Expectations?" And uh, what this uh, young gentleman named uh, Aaron Gleeman sounds like a handsome guy went and looked at the preseason projected uh, uh, good. weighted runs created for each of the top 15 hitters and where they're at now. And I will say that of the 15 hitters to have at least 50 plate appearances in the first 50 games, uh, 11 of them are below their preseason projections. <laughs> okay. And uh, let's see, six of those are at least is this 10 what you were points. doing instead of studying for trivia? Yes, this is what <laughs> I was doing. And so here's the list. Uh, the biggest drop-off, you know, taking their Zips projection – uh, weighted runs created, okay. which is similar to OPS plus. It's on a 100 scale. Is Nick Gordon, but he was a part time sure, player and hasn't right, now right. played for right. a couple of weeks. But Nick Gordon, just so people can see the logic of this, was projected to have a 104 weighted runs created, which means he was projected to be roughly an right. average hitter, and he had a 31. Yeah. Because he hit, you know, one seventy. I think he had a negative one for a while. But he did, yeah, he did. I mean, he actually was on a decent little stretch, yeah, right. Starting to play some center field right. when he got hurt, which yes. is the shame of it. The second, so that was a drop off of seventy three points compared to expected to, projected at one hundred four. Actual thirty one. That's a seventy three point drop off. Right. That's the biggest on the team, but it's not the biggest impact because he was, you know, 
the twelfth guy out of thirteen position players right. or whatever. The second biggest one is Miranda. To your point, he was projected at a one twenty seven, and he produced a sixty six yeah. before he was demoted to yeah. AAA. The third biggest drop off was Correa, who was projected at one thirty seven, and last year had a one forty okay. weighted runs created for the Twins, which is topped all major league shortstop, and he's at ninety four, yeah. ninety three OPS yeah, plus, but ninety four yeah. weighted runs created, which is a forty three point drop off, and then you have a thirty one point drop off for Vasquez behind the plate. Yeah. Uh, and then you start to get to like Michael Taylor and I was surprised to see Vasquez. Players. I think you tweeted out the WPAs where everybody was. I was surprised yeah. to see Vasquez as low on that list as he is. No, that doesn't not, factor in defense. No, it doesn't factor in defense. I agree. No, I'm, it's yeah, just I'm not saying. I would just. I didn't recognize how many. Usually, that su- su- suggests that uh, you know there he's coming up empty in clutch positions and i just didn't think he was in many clutch positions with him i don't think that is probably the case he's just been bad yeah, all around and so consistently just, pretty bad yeah, yeah. consistently racking up on a minus seven or a minus eight right. <laughs> uh so yeah i mean you can debate i mean i think it's it's either miranda correa correa miranda is the biggest disappointments obviously offensively you know miranda's not in the picture anymore so you got to kind of move on from that yes. whereas now it's possible correa won't be in the picture here for a while uh, you know, it's tough, but again, you got Kyle Farmer who can sub for one of them, and you got Royce Lewis who can sub for one of them. That's a, a good spot to be in in a bad situation. But then, what's also attached to this is that you've also now placed your second baseman, your all star second baseman, Jorge Polanco, <laughs> right. yep. on the injured list. So now you might be without your double play duo, right? And you know, Polanco only played tw- – he, he began the year on the injured list with a knee problem, and now he's back on the injured list with a strained hamstring, and he only played 23 games in between, but he had a 122 OPS plus. He had a bunch of clutch hits. Uh, he had two real hot stretches, one at the beginning and one at the end, right before he won on the IL. 8-11 OPS. I mean, he was, he was really good. Uh, and now you've replaced him. Again, they're fortunate that one of their top prospects was at AAA at this position right. in in Eddie Julian, uh, and you know you hate to lose Polanco because he's a switch hitter and he's been one of their best players now for five or six years. But I do kind of like getting a look at Ed Julian. I do too. Uh, yeah. I'm excited to you know it's not dissimilar to what we're going to be saying about Royce Lewis hopefully next week, which is yeah. it's not an ideal situation. Right. It'd be great to be seeing Royce Lewis alongside Carlos Correa or mm-hmm. Royce Lewis. And Ed Julian somehow alongside Polanco and Correa. Mm-hmm. But that maybe was impossible this early in the season. So if there's one, I don't know, one good part of a bad situation, it's I think these kind of weeks-long looks at Ed Julian, which he played eight games earlier in the season too, right. is a, is going to ultimately be a good thing. A, because he's just a good player. And B, you have to get these. We've talked about this a lot. Like some prospects just come up. And thrive, right. but a lot of prospects come up, and most, they're most don't, right? Most <laughs> right. do not, right? And there's almost, I think, a belief that you got to get to like a certain point where they feel comfortable, they start to make some adjustments, and they just get reps and they get at bats, and the sample size gets bigger. And let's say that might be forty games, that might be eighty games, who knows what it is? But there's more than one way to get to that point where they start to feel comfortable. One is you just hand them the job and you say. Go hit 180 for a while, and yeah. then eventually you'll snap out of it. The other is, and we've seen this with players in the past too, you get called up for like drips and drabs here or there. You get called up for 10 days to sub for this guy. Then you go back to AAA and crush for a while. Right. Then Polanco gets hurt again. You come back up for a few weeks and hopefully you know are a little bit better this time, or maybe right. you just never leave. Right. And I don't know. I mean, I see so much from Ed Julian 
offensively that is just impressive to me. I mean, I think the early numbers are are average-ish, not not great. But we saw him hit an opposite field leadoff homer, which matches the scouting report on him yep. in the minors, which is he can use left and left center yep. as a power alley for him. And yep. he can turn on balls and drive them to right, too. But left and left yes. center, similar to Kirloff. Really valuable for a left-handed hitter at target yes. field to be able to Absolutely. hit an opposite field with some power. You're going to make more money doing that <laughs> than trying to do the same to right center, yeah, right. certainly. Um, you, know, the, you start to see that very good eye at the plate. In a lot of situations, he swung and missed a lot of pitches, which is one of the potential red flags for him. He does have some swing and yep. miss, but you can see he's a good athlete. He runs pretty well. You know, he can drive the ball with authority, but he's not a free swinger. His and, eye at that plate is it's elite. And I think as he gets comfortable, yeah, and he sticks around for a while, I think yeah. you're really going to start to see him grind out some at bats against pitchers yeah. and really make them work. And that's why I think at the lead, in the leadoff spot, he, he's particularly good. Now, the big question with him, and we've seen now both sides of this in the same game actually uh, against San Francisco, <laughs> yes. is defense. Yeah, and he was drafted. Out of Auburn after playing third base, second base, first base, left field for Auburn. And then right after they drafted him, he went and played for Canada uh, in the – he's French-Canadian – in the Pan Am games and hurt his elbow and had Tommy John surgery. Right. And so he came back from that and he, his arm just wasn't the same. Right. And so then they've been trying over the last two or three years to find a defensive home for him. And the first year, two years ago when he was in single A, he played all over the place again. And then last year, he played exclusively second base. And once again this year, he's played exclusively second base. And it's become noteworthy because he continued to only play second base in at AAA, even when first base and left field were Looked areas like of need yes. for the Twins right. at the present. And they've stuck with him at second base. And in talking to people during spring training and then checking in on him at AAA, they do talk that he's a, he's a worker. Like he's, and I've seen him actually pregame with Tony Diaz the the last couple of games. He's on the field taking a million ground balls, and he Tony Diaz hits these like short choppers to him, yeah. and he just fields them, tosses them back, fields them, tosses it back, and I mean he's working. But I think the other sense with Julian is he can work his ass off here, and he will. But there's a cap to right. this yeah, thing course, from yeah. a from a tool standpoint. Right, yeah. But what's interesting about him is he's a good athlete. Yeah. And he's pretty quick. Yeah. And he had made a hell of a play Wednesday early yes, in that okay, game. So the throw out at home was fantastic, and then he screwed up an easy yeah, ball later. There was in the a game, ball right? hit to him. Uh, I'm going to get the specifics of it, but there was a runner on third yes. that broke on I contact. I think runners on second and third. Yeah, or yeah, I think runners on second and third. Again, broke Joe on Ryan contact. was pitching. Yes, they broke on contact. Right, and he Let, came no, in. Yeah, not two outs. So it was, right. No, right, and he came in and fielded the ball, and it would have been so easy for him to just concede the run there right. and make a. T- quick toss to first base, get the out, and move on. Right. And instead, he made a very strong, accurate throw to home and throw. nailed the runner on a bang-bang play. Yeah. I think Jeffers was catching, made a nice sweep tag on him. Yeah. And then you go, wow. He hummed that ball right yeah. to where it needed to be, right it's where Jeffers play. needed to catch it. Just right. the type of play that you would teach, right. like you know, yeah. little yeah. leaguers or right. something. Right. Midway through the but three while, while, later. That, while that play was happening, I was like, he ain't going to get him. That guy got too good a break. And then I didn't even think then, he was going to throw it. The, I didn't either. In my mind. And then, uh, but he never he didn't hesitate. He gunned it the right away. So I thought while it was happening, I thought we're not going to get it. And then they got it. And I said, I want to watch that replay again because I did not think yeah. they were going to get it. It was a great it. play. And even watching the replay, I was like, they're not going to get it. Right. <laughs> and it, it, the reason they did get it is because his throw was so 
freaking good. It yes. was exactly where Perfect Jeffers play. needed that. And ball. actually, afterward, Joe Ryan was like, that was a, a, yeah, a, a right. curse. But that was a great play. Right. And he said, he's a monster, Julian. Uh, but then we saw the flip side yeah. to that, <laughs> yeah, right. which is there was a fairly routine yeah. ball yeah. hit to him at second, and he just kind of fluttered the throw to right. first, not yeah. in a huge rush. And and that's that so, is the scouting report on him, which so is here's what here's my theory on what happened on that play. Okay, he kind of got his head up to throw, and there were two guys over by first base, and he threw it in between them because Joe Ryan was sort of backing up the oh, play, pitcher. but he was backing up the play like four feet right behind first base. He wasn't backing up the play way back there, and he threw it right between the two guys. I mean, maybe it caught his eye, but I like from my view, which. Is decent horizontally. Yeah, you had a that. better view than I did. On uh, the play. I was down out down the left field line. He, so. The ball just sort of fluttered away. Yeah. And I've had people who scout him and watch him and coach him uh-huh. use that exact terminology, which is his arm on certain plays looks just fine, like we uh, like yeah, we right, just talked yeah, about. Right. And you go, oh, he's got. I mean, second base is not a, a place where arm, you need right. a spectacular no, arm, but right. you do need some arm sure. in certain spots. But then on routine plays and sometimes on trying to turn quick double plays, which is yeah, a skill you need at second sure. base, particularly some of them, your back is to the first baseman right. when you catch the ball yeah. and you need to yeah. just spin you and need throw. The arm then. He, it's not that like his max velocity or his max arm strength isn't good enough. It's just that his average or sort of fiftieth percentile hmm. is is weird. It flutters or it's just weak, and I think that. It's pretty easy to trace that back to the Tommy John surgery. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's not a guy who ever had a great arm. Um, you know, I think playing third base for him in college was more about the glove than the arm, obviously. Probably. But that's what he has to work on. I mean, I think he's never going to be a goal glover at second base. But there's no reason that from an athleticism and speeds and work ethic standpoint that he can't get to enough balls there. The question is, can he make consistently make the throws that you need to make on both – plays to first and turning two right. to not have there be one play a week where you just go, man, there's an out or two that they right. just not yep. get yep. and they got to get. Yep. Um, but offensively, I mean, the and only reason the bat play well enough. Well, so right. It doesn't I mean, I, I'm a, if he's not a good hitter, I don't, right. I, I will question every, my ability to figure out who's a good hitter. <laughs> right. Like, right. and maybe people have been questioning that for years, <laughs> but I just, I mean, statistically and, I test wise, and if you like to look at, you know, plate discipline markers and average X velocity and stuff, I mean, this is a guy who now three years in a row, single A, double A, and triple A, put up like a 430 on base percentage with increasingly good power numbers, huge walk rates, you know, a lot of strikeouts, but, you know, not a horrible strikeout rate. He stole 15, 20 bases a year. You know, if you talk to anybody who watched the double A team last year or the Saints this year, you know, clutch hitter can go to the opposite field is not a one trick pull only uh pony and so i mean i think obviously the leadoff spot anytime you're putting up 430 on base percentages is kind of ideal but i mean i think he could be a number two number three type of hitter or an ideal leadoff hitter i mean he's just a guy you want getting a lot of plate appearances and so whether it's at second base or whether it's at first base almost have too much power for a leadoff hitter well right (laughs) uh but i'm so that's that's one of the I guess silver linings of being without Polanco is whether it's another five days or another twenty-five days, right. and I don't know. I mean, Polanco. I saw Polanco working out before. It's a hamstring, so who knows? Right. You know, those are those not, are tricky. It's not that's uh, uh, heels. I think people should really watch Julian and start to see what are his strengths, what are his weaknesses, because this is a guy you're going to be watching, hopefully but, for a very long I mean, time. It also goes back to you know, as much as the lineup is struggling now, and it's been real frustrating to watch, right? 
this team in June or in June, it could be a very different team than this team in September. For sure. I mean, it's already right. a different team than it was in April. Right. Think about that. I right. mean, it's all I mean, co- partly you, because of injuries. You, you but get you, you get uh, you know Larnick three hundred more at bat, Kirilov three hundred more at bats, uh, Julian two hundred more at bats, Lewis, Jose Miranda, Royce Lewis. Like, there's a lot of talent there in a lot of places. You just have to figure out where it fits. Yeah, because it doesn't and, do and, any and good. See, and see how fast it ramps up. Right. That's the other thing. You know, uh, you kind of mentioned this, but. Donovan Solano now, <laughs> after being almost exclusively a first baseman DH right. for the first month of the season and not looking particularly good at first base, right. is now playing semi-regularly at second and third base. Which yep. now he came up as a shortstop twenty, you know, ten years not, ago. I did not see this happen, uh, and he played a lot of second, a lot of third throughout his career. But he's thirty-five now, and he's pretty limited right. range-wise. Um, but like you said, they've had some weird defensive linemen where he's at third or he's at second, and it's like they had one game where. Julian DH'd and he was at second, and I'm like, what's happening here? Um, (laughs) Yeah. But I actually, this is going to be weird, but he looks less bad to me at second and third than he he does at first. first. Now, maybe that's just sample size. I mean, I felt the same way about Jose Miranda last year, right? Because he just didn't look like he knew how to play first. But that's because Jose Miranda didn't know how to play first. Solano Solano played first for like 100 and something games for the Reds last year. Yes. So um, that's something to watch, too, because, you know, Solano might have too big of a role here, in part because of injuries. But, I mean, right. he's batting second yeah. and third sometimes against righties. Listen, I, I, can, I tend to agree. I don't want to see Solano in the lineup quite as much as I'm seeing Solano in the lineup. But I'm also seeing Willie Castro in the lineup right. a lot more than I expect right. to do I Willie mean, Castro in the lineup. I mean, yesterday – so Wednesday's lineup – you know, we're three innings in, and Christy takes a look at the defensive alignment that they've got on the scoreboard in center field yeah. and says, this is such a – like there's no names here. Yeah, <laughs> and that was exactly that's what I said, said about. She's like, that's what I said about our trivia team. Uh, yesterday, uh, Chris. There's no names here, and I'm like, what, what do you mean? And then I looked at it. I'm like, yeah, I just have been following this team a little too closely. But look at what this lineup was. Okay. On the right field, Walner. Right. Who was third on the right field depth chart and began the season at AAA. <laughs> center field, Taylor. Right. Who? Yeah. Was he's, supposed he, to be the backup. He's to supposed Buxton. to be the backup center fielder. Right. Left field. Willie Castro, right. also not like n- never didn't make any roster projection right. we had he was any, at any time the prior to the middle of March. Last guy on the opening day roster. Right. Well, third base, Solano was not on the team when spring training began, oh, and, and was it was supposed to be you know again sort of a backup at all places, utility player, shortstop, Farmer, right. also supposed to be the utility player amongst with second base, Julian, AAA up until last week. Yeah. First base, Kirilov. Now Kirilov, I guess you could say he was the one guy who was supposed to be a regular, but he was also a guy that was you know spent yeah, a month he spent at AAA, the first month on the injured list, <laughs> right. Right. and then Jeffers at catcher, who's, who's also the backup, backup catcher. Yeah. That's eight out of eight, eight out of eight guys that were not you know, and the DH was Buxton. <laughs> yeah, and the DH was Buxton, who, who is is supposed to be a starter, but not supposed to be right. DH. And they won, though, right? And they won. Yeah. They scored actual runs. That, so that that's the key to it. <laughs> that was to put together the weirdest yeah, they possible. Scored, they scored more runs than the other two games combined. Yeah. See? I think. So tell Chrissy to <laughs> relax. Uh, yeah. Just uh, – well, we mentioned Walner and Kepler and Larnick. And so the situation there was basically – it's like fourfold here, I would say. Because Kirloff, like we just mentioned, right. starting the year on the injured list, opened the door for Larnick – to make the team as a left-handed cornerback. Right, right. Then uh, he struggles. Yep. Kirloff is healthy enough, so they swap them. Right. They send Larnick to AAA. Four games later, Kepler hurts his hamstring, 
And so they put Kepler on the I.O. and they bring Larnack right back. And then after, I don't know, a week? Couldn't have been much more than a week. A week in California. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, he catches pneumonia. He has pneumonia. <laughs> in L.A. Yeah, in Anaheim. Yeah. Um, Disney, we went to Disney World and all I got was pneumonia. They should put that on a t-shirt. Um, and they put him back on the aisle with pneumonia and call up Walner. Right. So really, Walner is on the roster through a, a series of moves that right. started with Kirilov beginning the season on the injured list. Right. And now, as you mentioned... Kepler is eligible to return from the injured list, right. and it's not inconceivable that he'll be back. I mean, he could be back, back tonight or this right. weekend or certainly Monday in Houston. Like, it's not considered a significant right. injury. Yeah. yeah, Kepler was eligible, I think, on Tuesday, which is the day they called up Walden. Right. And I was like, yes, what? that's true, because I right? asked a question about that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, Again, though, Walner, while not at the level of Julian in terms of my excitement about him, has, I think, gotten a little bit of a short shrift or, or kind of flies under the radar sure. or is overshadowed a bit from a prospect perspective. Um, well, we've been hearing about Larnick and Kirilov a lot longer than we've been hearing about Walner. Well, sure, but, but I he, mean, even relative right. to like Miranda, Lewis, well, yeah, those type right, of guys. Yeah. Uh, Walner has some flaws. He's not a great outfielder and he strikes out a lot. But he has legit, you know, 30 homer raw power. Just, you know, top of the scale, I would say, raw power. He's become a much more patient hitter at the plate to the point that he's offsetting his strikeouts with a lot of walks in the minor leagues uh, and in boosting his on base percentage. And while he while he's not a good outfielder because he's like six foot five and you know, big. Yeah. I think he's similar to Larnick in that he's less bad than he looks, but in a slightly different way. I do think he's faster than people give him credit for. He is. But like Larnick, he got to some, he it takes some him hit. a minute to yep. kind of get underway. Yes. But it, in terms of going after you know fly balls into the gap, if you can give him a second to kind of get his wheels churning a little bit, he can put some speed under. It's just the quick reaction times that he lacks. But the real weapon of this, Walner. Yeah, I would hope you're going to get to this. Yeah. I, I've taken to now when it, a ball is hit to him and there's a guy on base, <laughs> I turn to Doe and I say, here we go. <laughs> I, did this, I did the same thing the entire game Wednesday afternoon with Chrissy. There's a very good chance that Walner has the best non-pitcher arm in the entire organization, including shortstops. Right. Um, he was a and maybe the second best arm overall in the organization. You mean including pitchers? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> behind Duran. Yep, I mean, it's my best strat. I'll, I'll be. pitch that to somebody and see if they believe that. Uh, but Walner, he was from Forest Lake, right? And he won Mister Minnesota, the high school player of the year, as a pitcher. Yeah, I mean he hit too, <laughs> yeah, but he right. was a pitcher. Yeah, and then he he was supposed to go to one of the Dakotas. Or something okay. to play baseball, but then they folded their program or something. I might have this wrong, okay. but he ended up at Southern Miss, which is where Brian Dozier went, and he he moved to the outfield full time, and he broke every Dozier record. He broke. I mean, he was a great. He was a first round pick. I mean, he he set records in that conference, and he occasionally pitched as a reliever, a left handed reliever for them, like a late inning reliever. Although they stopped doing that by the, I think he had some elbow problems or something. But he's legit like 95 plus off the mound if you right. wanted him and he uncorked a throw against the giants where they clearly had the scouting report by the way you are it, correct because it was a 50 50 you know if this is just a random guy called up from triple a you probably try to tag and score because yes. it was a decent runner on third and it was a, a decently long fly ball to right yes and they didn't even do a real fake no, they, they just kind of fainted at it yeah i was what that when that play was developing I was like, oh, God, I hope they send him. Yes. I, was I like, really hope they send him. I was him. like, be careful. Uh, and, they, and he <laughs> and fired a 
one hop uh, just bu- bullet to <laughs> Chrissy's mouth was a gape. Yeah. She's like, holy. I mean, we saw it in spring training. Well, I talked to Joey Gallo about him because I tried to get Gallo to say how similar they were yeah. uh, stylistically. Right. These big, strong, left-handed hitting corner outfielders with huge power, big arms, and strike all a lot. And Gallo didn't really want to do a one-for-one comp because I think he didn't want to put sure. pressure on somebody. But Gallo was almost drafted as a pitcher out of high school, and Rocco Baldelli tells a story of scouting him at a high school event, and Gallo was 96 off the mound as a, as a right-handed pitcher. And he said... Well, I did outfield drills with Walner the last few weeks in spring training. 100% has a better arm than I ever had. <laughs> and so how much does that make up for lack of range or just right. sort of overall, not klutziness, but sort of big man syndrome in the outfield? I don't know. I mean, Giants didn't send anybody first to third on right. any single to right field. I mean, there's two ways to look right. at that, right? There's one, yeah. the it's kind of the Kadir effect. Michael Kadir was not a good outfielder. Right. A lot of balls that a, a average or better right fielder would catch, he did not catch. But he made up for that by killing base runners constantly. Yes. And then after he did that enough, they, by, just, they just stopped running on him, which yes. in itself has value. Yeah. You'd like, rather throw guys out when to get the outs. Yeah, when there's, uh, I don't know exactly what the expected run differential is between runners on first and third and one out and runners on first and second and one out. But, right. it but can't when they be don't test you on when singles. They, yeah, that's right. Going first to third, and we saw that with Kadir by the end, especially at the dome, yeah. they just wouldn't run on him. Yeah. And so it's like, well, I didn't get to throw anybody out, which has a huge impact because right. you yes. erase the base runner and you get an out. Right. But not having them test you has it too. So I don't know. I got to see more of Walner to see what are the limitations and how much of that can be made up for by the arm. But if you just want loud tools, yeah. you know, hit the ball far and throwing the ball yeah. hard, Matt Walner can do it. And yeah. similar to Julian which is how I started this rambling uh, segment, similar to Julian, is it great that Kepler's hurt and Larnick's hurt right. and you know all this and that they're the third guy in the depth chart? No, that's not ideal. But the silver lining is Matt Walner's put together like a full season now yeah. between last year and this year at AAA, and he's been really good there. Right. And he's won minor league player of the year, and he's 25 years old or 24 years old, and he's dominated at AA, and he's a first-round pick, and he dominated college. This is a guy you can just play. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar or even 10 years from now he'll still be in the majors. But it's it's not unreasonable to say now's the time to see what we yes, have right. in Matt Walner. And yep. so if there's a silver lining to these injuries, it's gives Julian a little bit of runway here. It gives Matt Walner a little bit of, of space here to do his thing and get his feet wet at least. And who knows? Yeah, Maybe they play so well that they don't leave. Maybe some of the injuries turn into longer-term things and they don't leave. But either way – these are opportunities, and it's similar to next week with, with Royce Lewis. Yep. It doesn't have to be set in stone that they're up for the next five years for us to get glimpses and start to say, all right, well, this is a guy you can pencil in for this, or this is a guy you can start to feel good about for that. Well, I mean, we spent most of spring training, most of Correa's year and a half here, he's been touting, they got a lot of really talented kids here. Right. And here they come. Here are the kids. They are playing, and they're playing whenever you guys get hurt. And now we get to see, you know, it's fun to watch, first yes. of all, from, from a fan standpoint, it's fun to watch. It's also fun to forecast and dreamcast right. and wishcast well, where yeah, they're going to end up. That's the thing, right? right? It's it, also nice that they can put some pressure on the veterans to remind themselves, yes. you guys got to actually perform. Say. You guys, because uh, we are hungry for your job. Yes. Like, the, you know? the same, I mean, look, Ed Julian's You got to stay healthy. <laughs> Ed Julian's hitting like, I mean, he's played, I don't know, 12 games or something. He's hitting like 210 with a 700 OPS. Right. 
the same that's actually the same numbers that we're criticizing Korea for right, having. Exactly. Right. But the difference is that's the first taste. Right. And you can start to kind of like you said, dream on that or project off that, you know, standard improvements and what it might look like versus you look at someone like Solano or you look at, you know, just some veteran player who's on the downside of their career and you start to go, Well, I mean, has Ed Julian been any better than Solano? No. Right. But Solano has no projection left, really. Right. And so that's, I think, the the difference. But um, there's one other thing that we can... Uh, okay. Let's see. Walner. Uh, I mean, Gallo's also banged up, too. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I think he's he's fighting some leg that's stuff. That's a good point, too. Um, so it's possible that even if Kepler were to return yeah. in the next several days, Maybe Gallo they up. might keep Walner to give them some depth there, or maybe Gallo gets... Some time off. I'll throw another name out there that I should probably have brought up. Okay. Uh, if if you know if Correa were to be put on the IL today, they could take a lean into Mark Contreras for a few games too to give uh, yeah. give Taylor a break. They're not facing as many left-handers now. You could have Contreras as bad in the lineup. Right. Give Taylor a break in center field. Like just as much as they were leaning on Correa, who eventually has seemed to have broken down a little bit, they've been leaning on Taylor more than they wanted to lean on Taylor. I think. I think more probably more than Taylor wanted to be leaned on, given his. Well, yeah. You think know, back of what we said about on. Taylor. It's the same that we said about Farmer when they acquired him, right. which is stretched as a everyday player right. but a high-end part-time right. player right. and now they're both in a position where they're playing every day farmer that might be temporary taylor but he, taylor i think has the most games on the team i think he's I think tied with probably Buxton, right. I yeah think. and and he and we know he was fighting back problems right. which and his perf- i mean you just don't want to be playing him every day against right-handed pitching right. which they started to use nick gordon as a left-handed right. alternative to him you know, then hurt. nick gordon got hurt then they started they've been using willie castro as a left-handed hitting alternative to him yeah. but to your point you could potentially call up mark contreras who's a left-handed hitter right. good defender who's shown good power and is having a pretty good season at, at AAA, but a high strikeout rate, he could be the left-handed partner for Taylor and center, and then that would free up Willie Castro to be an infielder more, yeah. third, yeah. short, second, whatever it is. So, yeah, I could I could see that. Um, okay. Uh, before we move on to the, the bullpen and Buxton and some other – Got to talk one of our favorite sponsors, BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com slash Gleeman. We'll tell you you about the deal they're going to give you in a second. But we like BetterHelp because BetterHelp just takes all of the obstacles, all of the hassle out of therapy. You know, once you have just, it's a difficult thing to decide that you need therapy. You know, it's a difficult thing to follow into that. And you know, kind of, maybe, maybe you aren't sure if you need it or not. Maybe you want to explore it a little bit. But well, the thing you definitely don't <laughs> want is speed bumps on the way right. to get, actually getting it. Because right. I, I know that you can get to a point where you go, I'd like some help. And then you meet the smallest speed bump and you go, <laughs> I guess not today. Yeah. Right. And then you never revisit that. Right. With better help, you All can, those speed bumps go away. Yeah, it's it's very easy. It can be quick, and you talk to real licensed therapists, right. and they can find you specialists if you have specific issues that you would like to talk to. And then I think the best part of it is if you want to just do a video call, they can set you up with that. If you say, I don't want to be on camera, you can do a phone call. If you're like me and you hate talking on the phone, yep. you can do a live chat where you just text and right. talk and type with somebody. Yep. They will set it up. To t- they will tailor it to whatever you're most comfortable with. Uh, and you mentioned the deal for Gleeman and the Geek listeners. If you go to betterhelp.com slash Gleeman, you can get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash Gleeman, our last sponsor for today. It is Memorial Day weekend, and uh, you can start – we just talked about projecting. You can start projecting where your lawn is going to be in about a month. Things green up in a hurry. 
in Minnesota. I could I struggled with my lawn a lot. I really, really wish that Sunday had been around when I was uh, doing my lawn. Cause I tell you, every year it came time to fertilize my lawn, I'd be like, do I got to go rent the little thing and I've got to measure it and I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to burn the crap out of my grass. And Sunday does all the project. prep work for you. They do everything for you. They can tell you based on your land, right. the size of the land, the type of the soil, the environment, what you need, how much, you how need. much of it you need right. it, and then you just strap it onto your hose yep. and just go. That's right. And uh, you can get your lawn looking. You don't want to be the one guy in the neighborhood. Everyone goes, ugh. Yeah, the neighborhood looks you, great except for bonuses. The, lawn. The, uh, the school is ending. You don't want the kids in the house all summer. You you want them out there. And the easiest way to do that is get them a good lawn to play. So for a limited time, Sunday, Sunday like the day of the week, uh, is offering our listeners 50% off your first box. So you can get started today for as little as $55 when you go to getsunday.com slash Gleeman and then use the code Gleeman at checkout. That's getsunday, S-U-N-D-A-Y, getsunday.com slash Gleeman for 50% off your first box. Okay. Um, let's see. And a few other things to... Uh, a lot of news and notes here. I mean, yeah. it's like last year. Right. When there's an injury every third day, there's a lot of roster moves to talk about. And and a if, lot of- if you are, By the way, if you are a fan who is a little frustrated that we don't talk more about the games, I would just recommend check out the Patreon.com. Yeah. We react to those games. Sometimes when we don't even want to react to those yes. games. Like we will start out a mailbag going, we're going to have an all mailbag episode, and then we will spend a half an hour on the game before. We can do that a little bit more. The, the, the weekly ones have to be sort of a recap of the week. Yeah, everything that's yeah. happened. And then the, you know, the if Patreon you really want to dive into it, I would ju- just try the Patreon. It's e- it's free to sign up, right? You just go in. You can listen to a couple of them yourself. And then when we release one, you get charged a buck. Yeah, so, free each one we release. And the archive, the complete archive, which is hundreds of episodes right. now, is totally free yes. to everyone. Um, let's see. We talked about that. Um, I don't know. Last thing on the kind of corner bats thing is Kirilov has, for the most part, looked good. Yeah. Although... It was very good early and has sort of slowed down a little bit. He stopped drawing walks. He's striking out a little bit more. A lot of ground balls. I looked at I kind of the... I haven't been watching the exit velocities on yeah, this. That's, that's what I want to watch. I looked at about. kind of the underlying numbers. Not great. I mean, he's he's vastly outperforming any kind of expected batting average slugging percentage, which isn't necessarily a horrible thing in a, in a small sample. But, you know, I don't think we're quite out of the woods yet. He's he's helped the lineup, undoubtedly. I mean, his overall numbers in well, what, we a dozen also, games... We also, when he has... I mean, we keep saying this about players on this team. When he was called up, we thought he'd be playing, you know, two out of every three games, three out of every right. four games, something like that. He's in there every day now. I mean, he's unless I mean, unless it's a left for him in the first inning, <laughs> yeah, unless you pinch hit for him in the first inning, they did. Or the, I guess third inning, the third inning. Yeah, right. well, Julian yeah. got pinch hit for in the first. Yes, yeah. first for me seeing that. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is with Larnick. I mean, we didn't talk much. Getting pneumonia is uh, incredible. Doe said he was in Anaheim and because Larnick hit that little league home run right where yeah. he had to sprint around the bases oh my and he God. was already like on death's door right before that yeah. because they on the broadcast they showed somebody tried to give him water when he got back to the dugout and he was like not in position to drink water yeah and I thought it was like funny and it was not funny because no. Doe said afterward they went to interview him about his inside the park homer basically or triple plus error whatever it ended up being and he said he sounded like death. And uh, that he said to them, like, I'll be back in like 10 minutes. I got to like go take a shower. And like, and so everyone just figured he was sick, right. obviously. Now there's, you know, because of COVID, there's a little more sure. emphasis placed on that. Right. It turned out he had the flu flu 
yeah, and yeah, then yeah. off that he had pneumonia. Now, yeah. I've there's a, there's a nasty flu going around. I tried to yeah. talk to a couple of people, not with the twins, just like uh, doctors I know, yeah. being like, "What's the like? What's the diagnosis of pneumonia mean?" But there's so, it's so variable. Like right. it could be you start to take some whatever antibiotics or whatever, and you're okay in a week or two. It could be you feel mostly okay, except your respiratory is still bad for right. a while, and yep. you still get tired, and you still. And so I don't, I don't know. I think it's more open ended in terms of a timeline for his return. And I, I just worry with Larnick. This is now the third straight season out of three where it's been completely derailed by a very strange injury yeah. and a not insignificant injury either. Um, and, you know, you start to look. He's 26 years old already. Yeah. We're already talking about guys like Walner coming up behind him. And you look, he's played 170 games in the majors. Yeah, He has over 600 plate appearances. And yeah. he's got a 690 OPS and can't stay on the field. And... I think he's better than people give him credit for defensively, but he's not good defensively. And, you know, he's susceptible to off speed and all that stuff. And I just worry, like, I'm not saying they're going to ditch him. No. But I think he's cl- his window is smaller now than it, well, sure. than it should be, really, because yeah. of the injuries. I mean, I keep saying this, and I keep believing it. People keep saying it to me, and I believe it then, too, which is like, let's get him 250 healthy at bats right. in a row and let where he can concentrate on this off-speed in the at the majors. Right. We can concentrate on this, you know, adjusting to off-speed stuff, and we could have, again, we could have a totally different guy in September than we have here in June, right. in May. Which, but, but they've tried that, and it's it doesn't take. You know what I mean? I mean like, and that's not through any fault of his. He's right. getting hurt. Well, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, or, listen, I, I can write off a lot of those at bat. I can write off a lot of those games, a lot of those 600 at bats or whatever he's got, right? right? With, yeah, well, he was also fighting a groin injury. He was fighting, you know, a, a oblique, oblique or something like that. Like yeah. he's, he's had some core muscle problems that have ended up – you know, yes. derailing Uncommon, a lot of what he's done. But and it feels like he has gotten to the point where he's, he's addressing those, right? We certainly talked to him enough about it at spring training such that right. he, he's at least sensitive to what when things are going awry in that way to be able to adjust to that. And so, you know, this is, in a lot of ways, this is a, a rookie season for him, despite the fact that he's got 600 at-bats, right. a, a rookie healthy season. I mean, just to get derailed by COVID, like it's, or not COVID, by pneumonia, Reminds me of like garlic when he got COVID out of nowhere. Like he's suddenly getting his chance. He's really he, he's on the roster. He can do some stuff. And now, you know, then COVID year, he ends up missing you know two weeks because of because of that. And never really gets back on track. Um, let's see. One player who has avoided the injured list. Garlic is by the way another guy that could maybe be sent down at some point here. He's he's now he's still on the roster, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the one guy who's avoided the injured list naturally. Byron Buxton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> At this time last week, we did not think yeah. so. Gave everyone a scare uh, on the road trip by going just absolutely bonkers on the bases, right. stealing bases, first to third, just making huge impacts uh, in games, looking like you know the early days of Buxton, just running wild on people. Yeah. Uh, with the big difference being this time, uh, I described his kind of after he goes first to third or after he steals second. I described it as excuse me one second. <coughs> that was very bonus like I had to cough. <laughs> um, I described it as when I uh, get on the floor and play with our cats, <laughs> and then it comes time to get up. Yep, uh, it's a whole process. Yep, yep. It's uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> time to get up. <laughs> yep, and that's uh, kind of how he looks. He looks like uh, Usain Bolt going first to third, and then he looks like Aaron Gleeman 
getting upright after sliding into third or you know stealing second or whatever and that's that's worrisome i mean it's it's better than the alternative i guess which is he's not even attempting to do these things or he's attempting to do them and he's no longer right exceptionally fast and he's hurt when he slides but he left but he is still exceptionally fast yes like stealing I mean, these bases if you look at they, they are not in question when he steals a base six for six on steals all yeah. of which have been in the last two weeks by the yeah, way right for the why doesn't he run anymore crowd he's running again <laughs> Uh, and I think even more impressive than that is just the pressure he's putting on defenses going first to third, going second to oh, home. True. He beat out a double play that only he, he would have beat out. Right. Uh, that's actually, I think, when he tweaked When he his hurt knee. himself. Yeah, but right. Then he yeah. went first to third twice after that, left the game, missed the next game, and I'm preparing myself for, oh yeah. boy, here Monday, he goes. Monday morning on the Patreon, we yeah. had a very similar discussion to that, which we just had yes. about Correa. That's right. So you know, if you're worried about Correa... We should just say we were totally wrong about Buxton. Yes, if, you, if your worry of Korea is tied to us being medical experts, you're in luck because we're dumb as hell. We got we got one college degree between us, and it was in math, right? Is that what your degree is? Which is correct. Funny yes. to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean Buxton has played through 50 games, has 192 plate appearances. Which puts him on pace for like six twenty five or something like that. I mean, to say that would right. be a career high is like yep. underselling this. I went back and looked how many played appearances did he have through the first fifty games of previous seasons, his seven previous full okay. seasons. Because his first season he wasn't called up until the middle of the season, so that was right. irrelevant. Um, through fifty games, he had averaged prior to this year one hundred and eighteen played appearances. Okay. So he's at uh, what? 60% above that. Right. Or, yeah, something like that. A high of 167. So he's got 15% more plate appearances okay. than he's ever had at this point in a season. And he was <laughs> below 100 plate appearances through 50 games three different times out of the previous seven years. Yeah. So, in that sense, the DH only plan has worked extremely well i mean it's right. inarguable he's on pace for like 150 games and 625 sure. plate appearances his performance well i don't think at the high end of his range offensively he's got a 130 ops he's got 10 homers he by far leads the twins in win probability added he's yeah. among i think the top dozen in the american league in win probability added because most of his big hits have been in big spots yeah. um that's worked now and he's doing this amongst a lineup that is providing him almost no protection right. at this point right right He's also now adding huge value on the bases once yep. again yep. by, I think, feeling more comfortable physically uh, at, because of the DH time and not having to run around in center field and dive and make catches. He can sort of expend that same energy yep. going first to third and stealing bases because it clearly takes a lot out of him to do that. I don't think he has it in him to expend that energy in center field and on the bases. So what he's done is they've eliminated center field and he's done it on the bases because – I mean, you see him getting up from stolen bases or going first to third, and the toll it clearly takes, at least in the moment. I'm not saying long term, right. but just he's he's unsteady, and he, it takes him a minute to get up, and he's got to sort of settle himself. And the way Byron Buxton is, that does not stop him from doing it again. Yeah. Um, he will run through the wall every single time. I just don't know, you know, for, for the people who are like, well, why if he's doing that, why can't he play center field? And I just want to say he's barely doing this, right? Yeah, like right, it's, right. it's. I was asked Wednesday afternoon at the game, why? When do we get to see Byron Buxton? Right. It's, it's one of the constant questions, of course, like, all the time. And 
it's a fair question. Like they do are absolutely hurting themselves off. We we talk about all the different things that this team needs to do to get themselves out of an offensive funk. Well, swapping Michael Taylor's bat for a you know good DH bat would be one way to to provide some additional offense, like to give you a top four of course guy right However, in the middle, right? And we've said that since spring training. That's right. that's the consistency right. there. But I will say the idea that you would still have the same amount of offensive output from Byron Buxton Potentially in that scenario is completely illogical. I, th- I think that's probably There's no that, chance of I think that. you're right. If you started to play Byron Buxton in center field, he will not be on pace for 600 plate appearances. He will miss time, and you will end up having to play Michael Taylor still quite a bit in center field, except you won't be able to then have Buxton at DH because he'll just be sidelined right. or taking full days off. But so – I'm not saying it's not hurting him offensively. Right. It's hurting him less, though, than just the DH versus Michael Taylor because you also have to fact in that you would be getting less from Byron Buxton, not in terms of uh, quality, but in terms of quantity. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll cover that as a tangential question here in a second. But So I get this, that sense. I wonder whether or not <laughs> – whether or not the thought – we'll see how healthy he stays. We'll see how healthy he is through June and through July. Right. I mean, it's tenuous I, even without I, playing center field, as we've just talked about. He he looks to be in serious discomfort right. every time he kind of pushes himself on the bases. Right. I am wondering if, you know, if it, is he getting better or worse? I'm not clear that he's trending upward in terms see, I of think health. He, I, well, you know, it, <laughs> I think he's clearly trending upward in the sense that – he wasn't even attempting to well, do some true. of this stuff that's on right. the bases, that's especially true. steals. That's a good point. He's six for six in like the last two weeks. He was zero for zero right. in the first six weeks. I was shocked that I got that question like four days after we saw him leave a game hurt. Right. And we weren't sure if he was going to be on the IL again or something like that. That just seemed to me like an odd I time g- to ask that question. I got to say, I, I don't mean this in the go watch the games standpoint. I mean it in the literal, I wonder if people are not watching the games right, because maybe. they're unavailable on Bally well, to be. people. Yep. And I wonder if people are not seeing, like they're just looking at the box score and seeing, oh, he's six for six on steals recently. Right. Throw him back in center field. Right. They're not seeing the toll it clearly takes on him physically. I mean, he's not trying to hide that. Right. Uh, and I wonder like if people aren't watching that and they're just seeing and reading maybe, oh, he went first to third twice and they go, well, why can't he play center field? Well, because each time he does it, his gas tank goes from full to empty, and it seems to take a lot out of him. All of that said, mm-hmm. I would say I'm still not sure that he would not get back into center field at the trade deadline if they've got a, sure. if there's a potential big bat available that they can plug into the DH. Although they've got all certainly other options, or like if first base, they or something can like theoretically that. have all these guys we've talked about healthy at the same <laughs> right, time, right? right. That would or, also... or yeah, maybe internally they have right. they, they like we've got too many good bats on the bench, which seems. Uh, flawed right now, but potentially that could happen by then. Or I wouldn't be shocked if uh, come October, late September, we start saying you know he's going to get ready just so he can uh, get get that extra bat in the lineup for the uh, for the postseason. He was asked about that and said, "I don't know. We'll see." <laughs> yeah, well, like basically, yeah, are you yeah. ever going to play center field again? Yeah. And he said, "I don't know. We'll, right. see. Yeah, we'll see." Um, the the tangent I would cover yeah. on that though is you know as I look at this lineup and as we start kind of going through and going. Yeah, well, I mean, part of the problem is, you know, uh, some of the big guys we thought were going to perform are not performing. Well, right. that happens every year. But I think it's also worth pointing out that this team has made a lot of choices that diminish themselves offensively, but 
maybe help them overall maybe because they're helping things like defensively, right? right. Like Buxton, trying to keep Buxton healthy by being DH, and that means a lot more Michael Taylor. Christian Vasquez is getting a lot of time because he's helping the pitching staff, mm-hmm. right? It's not like you take a look at the bottom of that or, you you know, that uh, Willie Castro playing a lot of left field, right? right. I mean, th- th- this team is making a lot of choices throughout that lineup that that get rid of a lot of the contingency or backup plans. They are choosing defense and um, well, and, and trying to keep people healthy, which right. they sh- they need to do. I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad choice. Right. It's also but, though, but it does it does lead to you can only do that so many times. Right. All of those are defensible, but when they're all happening and you're struggling offensively, then you start going. Right. You know, Th- that type of plan requires. Carlos Correa hitting like Carlos Correa, right. Jose Miranda hitting like Carlos exactly right. like Jose Miranda. Right. So that the yeah, the bottom two or three spots in your lineup can be defense guys, guys who allow Buxton to get off his feet, all that stuff. Polanco staying healthy. Right. Like, you know, he, no, he, I agree he, with that. I also will say though that though it's always going to be much more obvious offensive impact. So like, yes, you could swap out Michael Taylor for a DH, and the DH is going to outperform Michael Taylor at the plate right. every time, and that's going to be very obvious to anybody. You can look at the home runs right. or whatever, except the Twins have the third best pitching staff in baseball right, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And part of that is uh, Michael Taylor's choices. defense in center and field Vasquez. and Vasquez at the end of the plate. Right. I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I understand the, the trade-off, and I understand the trade-off they're making, but as you're trying to determine yeah. you know, where are we struggling on offense, it's not just – yeah, it is some guys underperforming. It's also like some decisions they're making. I agree. Where they are absolutely limiting their ceiling. But I, I, I just think the the Buxton one their floor. for now is not a decision. Yeah, well, I don't think they they <laughs> view no, it as. I, I think you're right. Now maybe three months from now it's a decision, but to them yeah. and I think to Byron Buxton and just watching him, this is not a person capable of playing center field five days a week and and still right. being available. Uh, as often as he is. Uh, we talked a little bit about the running game. Here's just a couple of stats that just blew me away here. In the first 22 games of the season, the Twins stole one base combined. Right, it was right. Michael Taylor. Yeah. And they were caught four times. Yeah. In the last 28 games, they have 20 stolen bases, and they've been caught four times. Yeah. I think that's an incredible turnaround, and it's really just three players. Yeah, it's Buxton feeling comfortable enough to run and going six for six over the last couple of weeks. It's Taylor, Taylor. also going six for six, but much more spread out. Right, and then it's Willie, Willie Castro, Castro not feeling comfortable to run because yep. he always feels comfortable to run. It's right. he's playing, and he right. he yes, now leads right. the team. I think he's seven for nine or seven for ten, including stole home on the back end of a double steal with Matt Walner, which was their first steal of home in ten years, which was something that. No one would have ever expected from the Twins, and I'll add in one more element of that. They have 20 steals at a at a 80% clip in the last 28 games. That is incredible running for right. the modern Minnesota Twins. They're stealing home, and yeah, yeah. Uh, the double steal they yesterday was pulled great. off at least three and I think maybe four safety squeezes right. uh, over the last month or so. This is the most aggressive you're going to see yeah. this management They are manufacturing team. runs. Yes. Baldelli must love it. Yeah, because you also, talked about this in spring training, right. wanting to be more like this. And I'll say this: you, we just complained about the you know the last nine games versus the California teams where they went three and six. They won two of those games in part because they were playing aggressive base running, yes. manufacturing runs games. Like they could have been like 
as much as we're like, oh, they could have won six of those games, they also could have lost an extra two of those games that they just sat back and wait for the three-run homer. Well, yeah, the one game, Buxton just tried to win it with his legs the whole game, right. and then yeah. even against the, the Dodgers. Giants. Yep, yeah, the yeah. Dodgers and the Giants, both of those games, um, they, they manufactured. Actually, I think one of the Angels, they did the same thing. Now, it's basically just three players, which is what I'm saying is kind of like this is <laughs> right. the maximum right. you're going to see because just from a personnel standpoint, there just aren't a lot of guys who can run. Now, that might be different soon. Yeah, Royce Lewis, Lewis even after yeah. two torn ACLs, has attempted quite a few stolen <laughs> yeah. bases on his rehab assignment. Yep. And even if he's 80% of what he yeah, used to be, Royce Lewis can run. And Ed Julian is not going to be you know, a speedster, but he's a guy who can steal double-digit bases at a decent clip, too, based on his minor league career. So If, if Contreras makes the team, he could also add a little yeah. something. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of Taylor and Buxton and the center field situation, I do think they were they had the right idea – starting to mix Gordon in there against righties, right. except now that's just off the table because right. Gordon's hurt. And they have the right idea, I think, doing the same with Castro. But I just wonder, is Castro more needed at some point? Yeah. I can't believe we're talking about Willie Castro in this way. But <laughs> in the infield. Yeah. Of all the moves that we have talked about making yeah. with Correa. I mean, I don't want to overstate the Willie Castro case, but he's played well for a couple of weeks now. Is he? Could you turn Contreras and Taylor into more of a traditional platoon in center field and keep Castro in the sort of bounce around role a little bit more, or are you running out of roster spots? Or at that could point? you put Taylor and Taylor and Castro in the platoon in the center field? Well, too, that's what they're right? doing. Yeah, basically. That's, yeah, they've done that yeah. since Gordon got hurt. Basically. Um, all right, let's finish on a couple just random. Uh, I was going to talk about the bullpen a little bit, but um, you know we. <laughs> We slash me dump on the bullpen when it <laughs> performs poorly. I think a few guys deserve credit. Giovanni Moran has stepped up yeah, in a huge way uh, since Caleb Fieldbar went down and left him as the lone lefty in the bullpen. Yeah. Since Fieldbar's out, he's thrown eight innings, 115 opponents batting average, 11 strikeouts, 113 ERA, and he stranded quite a few runners. Yeah. Now, he walked in a guy, uh, but he's only four walks in eight innings, which is not great, but he's just shown – precisely why they continue to show faith in him, which is that changeup against the Giants in the last outing, they look like they were blindfolded swinging at this thing. They I'm, puzzled, were, I'm puzzled by their use of him. I would like to ask about that, actually, in that they, they seem to be – they they seem to still try to use him uh, mostly versus left-handers. Well, because somebody has to face the lefties. Well, I know. There's no I lefty. Know. Right. So who's going right. to face the lefties? The lefty, I guess. Right. right. Yes. That's I, why. I, I get it, but it's like – I mean, I guess so. I there were times where I th- I think of him more as a uh, any anything pitcher than a versus left handed. Right. I was actually excited when I when I the Giants pinch hit a right handed uh, play player on Wednesday to uh, versus the left handed well, player to face him. Right. They know they're going to get righties even that's, if there are lefties. Well, that's a fair point. But uh, I agree, he's actually better and over his career been better against righties yeah. than lefties. We've talked about that. But and so yeah, I get what you're saying. Like there's. It's, it seems weird. They to do see. seem to like, a couple different times. They they pull like they pull Stewart out with two batters. So you got a lefty coming right, up. Stewart's not going to be good long term against lefties well, either. I mean, he's not going to be bad yeah. maybe. But that's my point. Is it's not it so like much a, about Moran. You're viewing it as about Moran. It's not about Moran. The fact that Moran is being brought in to face lefties is about the fact that he's the only lefty. Yeah. I, I who do I, you I, want I, to I, face I, lefties? 
I mean, yeah, but I don't, I don't want to burn the bullet. Now, in this particular case, in that particular case, Moran stuck around till the next inning to actually also take care of the seventh. Well, after right, but it's not going to the, the bullet's not going to matter if lefties start hitting these righties. Like, huh. what righty do you trust against lefties other than Brock Stewart, who's the other guy I want to give some credit yes, to? Right, I do too. Which is Brock right. Stewart's been phenomenal. Also walked in a guy with the bases loaded, but for, has otherwise been phenomenal. Oh, yes. um, has not let up a run of his own through whatever, 13, 14 appearances, whatever it's been so far. That's amazing to um, me because he does not make it easy. Can I tell you something <laughs> I found definitively? I just occurred to me. You knocking on wood is not effective because think of all the things over the years, twins related, that you've knocked on wood. I think it's worked like 98% of the time. No, they've been the most injured, unlucky, unsuccessful playoff team in the history of baseball. You knocking on wood. I am knocking on wood. You're yeah. not, maybe this is fake Can wood. you imagine how much worse it would have been had I not been knocking on yeah, wood? Yeah, is the stadium going to collapse? on itself or something like that i think we have to investigate whether this seemingly giant wood table is not wood like this is just potentially marble painted as wood or something um yeah uh let's see bullpen one but stewart is the other one right but moran is and then the other guy so they deserve a lot of credit they've both been elevated into in part because theobar's hurt and in part because jacks has struggled those two have been elevated into higher leverage roles Uh, Theobar could potentially be back relatively soon. Maeda is also close to maybe doing a rehab assignment at some point here. Yeah, I wondered um, about unrelated that. Unrelated to the bullpen. But I heard he was doing a bullpen session or something this weekend. Yeah, he and threw it. They both threw a bullpen session okay. during the Giants series. And then the other guy I want to mention, not to give him credit because it's a very small sample, but I think we're going to start to see Jose de Leon yeah. get some work in some of these middle – Middle inning situations. Four strikeouts in 1.1 1. 1 yeah. innings yesterday or Wednesday? Yeah. I mean, it's it's not dissimilar to Brock Stewart in that Jose de Leon was once a top Dodgers starter prospect right, yeah. that the Twins repeatedly tried to trade for and were unable to trade for. Brock Stewart was also a top, not quite at that level, but Dodgers starter prospect. Right. And then they both just had an incredible number of arm injuries right. to the point that they were then just kind of minor league filler guys. And Brock Stewart looks like a monster if yeah, they can keep him healthy. But De Leon isn't that fast, right. but he's got – Because De Leon, right. as of three weeks ago, was still starting occasionally right. yeah, for the right. AAA team. But I think he has some middle inning upside, let's say. And then the uh, the last thing I wanted to mention – well, you kind of got to this, but I want – through 50 games, it's been a – because we talked – what do we think this catcher split is going to be in terms of percentages? And I think what we said was 65-35 or maybe 70-30 yeah. was what we talked a lot about. Do you know what it's been percentage-wise through 50? Uh, it's easy. 65-35? Uh, it can't be that through 50 games, but it has to be even numbers. Oh. you're doubling it. But <laughs> okay. sorry, right. math major. All right. Dun, dun. Remember? There isn't a ding in debate squad debate <laughs> debate anymore, but ding. I'm going to do it anyway. Ding! Point for Gleeman. The college dropout idiot. Uh, but you're as close as you can be. Okay. Uh, 64-36, which just means okay. 32 starts for Vasquez, uh, 18 starts right. for Jeffers. I wonder if we start to see that merge closer to 50-50 for a while. We'll see. Uh, because yeah. Jeffers has, for the most part, performed very well offensively, including against yeah. right-handed pitchers. Yeah. And Vasquez has just been on a month-long funk here. Yeah. Um, but how much credit does he get for the pitching staff? Right. So. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing is uh, Rocco and Allie Baldelli uh, announced yesterday on uh, her Instagram page, I believe, that they are going to have twins. Yeah, repping the brand. So literal, <laughs> you two. <laughs> then I started thinking about A.J. Hinch and his wife having a tiger. Gabe <laughs> Kapler and his wife, I don't know if he has a wife, having a giant. 
<laughs> and I thought if you're gonna do it, sure, do it with twins. Well, I didn't do That's it. The yeah. way to, there you go. The way to go. There you go. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Some of the other ones don't don't really work. <laughs> having a diamond back, Bob Melvin <laughs> having a diamond back. I don't know if that works. Uh, anyway, congratulations to them. Um, maybe the St. Louis one. Uh, getting a kid, a guy who goes high up into the cardinal, into the Catholic Church as a cardinal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Future Pope. <laughs> Yeah, Ali Marmol is having a future pope. Uh, I mean, I suppose every every manager is eventually, you know, provided they live a good life, can end up as an angel. <laughs> well, this has gotten so dark every now, John. Anaheim, every Anaheim manager is going to end up wow. sooner or later I as start, an angel. I started wanting to end on the, the, the gift of life and bringing two new children into this lovely world. And you're talking about what will happen to them when they die. And when the manager, you know, is close to getting fired, he's trying to avoid the press in the L.A., He's probably Dodger. <laughs> Jesus, John. I regret this whole line of this whole topic. But yeah, congratulations to them. They will, uh, I think she's due like in September, which is interesting timing. But the nine month baseball is tricky. The Dodgers just had like 20 guys go on uh, paternity leave at the same time, and you could backdate it to like a week after the playoffs ended. <laughs> Basically, right. in terms of nine months out, so you can do the math on how you give birth in September. But uh, you know, winter. I suppose up. now that Aaron Boone has been up in the north for a while, he's probably a Yankee. kids are Yankees. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. he's not a Yankee. I believe he was might have been born in Cincinnati. I was just looking it up. He is born in La Mesa, California. Really? Well, I'm very wrong about Which that. Which is also, I guess, Yankees. They were, sure. they were, they were, they were, they were part of the South. Okay, I take it back. I've learned two things. One, you knocking on wood has had no positive effect on the Minnesota Twins. Two, we should have ended this podcast like five minutes ago. We All should right. have. Actually, I'm going to be late. I know. That's your own fault, talking about angels and Dodgers. Uh, join us on the Patreon Monday morning where we will talk about the Blue Jay series yes. in, in depth. Yeah. And should be uh, some big crowds at Target Field. Yes, I was told... Blue An Jays. average of over 30,000 for the three yeah. games to expect. Blue Jays travel well. It's going to be a fun um, time downtown this weekend. And we will also talk about what officially happens or doesn't happen with Carlos Correa and what we expect to yes. happen or not with Royce Lewis. So that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman. Thank you also to Soda Stick, uh, BetterHelp, Sunday, Sunday, and Storyworth. That's right. All right. Talk to you guys Monday or Friday. Do you